lads and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. Welcome, Junior Scholars. I am Sir Bradley Hassey, guardian of the written word and your guide through the Junior Classics. Our mission is to safeguard the classics and inspire children to a love of good reading and a real and lasting interest in Western literature and history. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. And a very special thank you to my loyal listeners who tune in each and every episode, and especially my Patreon supporters who help keep the show going and growing. If you like what we are doing, creating stories for the good of your kids, consider supporting me on Patreon for five bucks a month. You can also write me a letter at P.O. Box 1153, Crown Point, Indiana 46308. And I'm giving a shout out to Grace from St. John, Indiana, who sent in the very first letter. I have not even opened it yet. I'm so excited. I'm going to do a special video opening it. I, I imagine maybe there's some artwork in there, a beautiful letter. Who knows? Can't wait. Thank you, Grace. Okay, we are continuing our current series, Tales from Europe, with one more Polish tale, The Lady of Kynast. And it sure is a special one. But before we get to the show... Lost and found words! Listen carefully to these words and their meanings and try and spot them during the show. Our first word today is embroider. To embroider means to decorate cloth by sewing patterns on it with thread. The lady in our story today does not embroider. In fact, she is disgusted with it. She is disgusted with every kind of work that she considers women's work. More on that in the show. Number two, the next word is betrothed. Betrothed is the person to whom one has agreed to marry. You could also say one is engaged or one is a fiancé. The lady in our story tells the knights who wish to marry her that she is already betrothed to the old castle tower where she lives called Kynast. Number three, the word is crenellated, crenellated. This means having battlements or castle walls with regular spaces along the top. So what I want you to do, go look up a castle. When you look at the castle wall, you will most likely see rectangular spaces or gaps at the top of the wall. These spaces allowed soldiers to launch arrows and projectiles and throw things down upon their enemies. Our next word is vertigo. Vertigo with a V. Vertigo is a feeling of dizziness. A knight in our story will be seized with vertigo. He's taken by an uncontrollable feeling of dizziness. And our last word today is allure. Allure with an A. I think we might have had this word before, but... Allure means being powerfully and mysteriously attractive or fascinating. The knights who wished to marry the Lady of Kynast were allured or attracted to the lady for many reasons. That's all for this week's Lost and Found Words. Now, on to the show. (laughs) 
There are three things that make today's tale extra special. First, the story takes place in a real castle that you can visit today. Castle Hoynik is located in Poland. It was built over 700 years ago. Secondly, it makes reference to a major ancient Greek poem called the Odyssey. The Odyssey is said to be written by the great Greek Homer. It is one of the oldest existing stories we can read today. The Odyssey follows the Greek hero Odysseus, king of Ithaca, and his journey home after the Trojan War. But it is Odysseus's wife, the Queen Penelope, who is mentioned in today's tale. Odysseus left Penelope and their son to fight in the Trojan War. He was gone so long, many thought him to be dead, and many suitors wanted to marry Penelope in order to become king of Ithaca. Now, Penelope was a faithful wife and believed that Odysseus would indeed return one day. She was also wise and knew the throne could not remain vacant and her son was too young to become king. To have more time, she declared she would choose her husband as soon as she finished weaving a shroud for Odysseus's father. The smart queen knit during the day and undid her work during the night. And with this trick, Penelope managed to deceive her suitors for three years. Because of her enduring loyalty, her story turned her into a symbol of marital faithfulness, and her loyalty guaranteed that her name would echo through eternity as Penelope the Faithful. Today's tale is an example of that echo. We'll explore the Odyssey in much more detail when we get to the tales of Greece and Rome. Thirdly, and finally, our story today, while quite old, is based on an even older legend. Often these legends are shrouded in mystery or forgotten by time. Lucky for us, the legend of Princess Kunigunda was recorded, and here it is. On the northwest side of the giant mountains, on the rocky ledge of a yawning chasm, may be seen the remains of an old castle. The finest ruins in the neighborhood, and the Germans say that this was once a staunch old stronghold built on the very edge of a bottomless abyss called Hell, and that this frightful chasm was surrounded by a wall so narrow that it scarcely allowed a footing, from which no soul dared trust himself to gaze down into the depths below. Within this castle dwelt the fair Princess Kunagunda von Kainast, a maiden whose loveliness of face was accompanied by a proud, cold heart and a haughty spirit. A haughty spirit is one who is arrogant and looks down upon others. Legend says, the old Earl, her father, having died, her dependents are anxious to have another lord, and to that end, urgently ask her to select a husband from the throng of lovers who surround her castle gates. Totally unknown to tender passion and unwilling to abandon her liberty, she proclaims her intention of never wedding. But as this news grieves her people, she made the harshness of her decree even worse by agreeing to set a task to her lovers. 
the successful knight would receive the reward of her hand in marriage. But the exercise which she proposes is cruel and almost impossible of fulfillment. He who would possess her must win her by riding safely around the perilous or dangerous castle wall. And this no mortal man has ever dared. And, as Princess Kunigunda had hoped, her lovers find that their passion dampened. The possession of a beautiful maiden, however, in time proved so great an incentive that several noble knights presented themselves and asked permission to attempt the task. Many a brave and valiant knight sacrificed himself, and one after another, the abyss called Hell received fresh victims. The awful harvest for a time seemed to weaken the stoutest of hearts. For a time, no new suitors appeared, but at last there came another, before whose charms the proud Princess Kunigunda bends and yields her stony heart. And this is where our tale picks up today. We are about to meet the Lady of Kynast. Kynast is the name of the old tower in the castle where she lives. owned a large domain, and on this domain a ruined old tower, which stood on the summit of a steep, high rock, surrounded on all sides by a deep abyss. Rich, young, and beautiful, eagerly sought for by a number of admirers, the Lady of Kindness did not think, in her desire to keep them from becoming too pressing, of undertaking an endless piece of embroidery like Penelope. She did not embroider. In fact, she looked with contempt and almost disgust upon every kind of work that was done by women. She told her admirers that she was betrothed to Kynas. This was the name of the old tower, and that anyone who thought of winning her good graces would first have to compete with her betrothed. To do this, nothing was required but to climb up the rock and the tower and having reached the battlements to make a complete round, not on foot, however, or assisted by the hands and knees, but on horseback, without other assistance than the bridle. The flock of lovers took flight instantly. Only two remained, two brothers who had completely lost their heads. After having cast lots, the first one attempted the task and seemed on the point of being successful but that was all. He had no sooner reached the crenulated top of the old tower than he was seized with vertigo and instantly fell into the abyss. The second brother, in his turn, climbed to the top and actually succeeded in riding some distance along the battlements. But soon his horse, feeling the stones slipping from under its hooves and the whole tower rocking under the weight, refused to go on. Determined to carry through the undertaking, he encouraged his horse with his voice and with his spurs. But the poor animal remained immovable, apparently wedged in between the large stones of the tower. In the morning, both horse and rider 
and disappeared. For quite a while, no other claimants appeared to woo the fair lady, when suddenly, one day, a third lover presented himself and asked leave to attempt the trial. She did not know who it was, and this surprised her, for how could he have fallen in love with her? He might possibly have seen her on her balcony, or at some royal feast. Perhaps he was only allured by her great reputation. However, there was nothing to lose by accepting the offer. For some days, a thick, heavy fog had shrouded the castle and the old tavern from top to bottom, so as to make the ascent impossible. The simple laws of hospitality required, therefore, that the lady should offer her castle to the newly arrived knight. He proved to be a handsome man with a fine commanding figure, and the large number of his servants bespoke his high rank and large fortune. During three days, he spent almost all his time with the young lady, but as yet, he had not dared say a word of his love. On her side, however, the young lady felt herself gradually conquered by a feeling which had until now been unknown to her heart. When the dense veil of mist was at length torn aside and the kindness shone forth in its full splendor, she was on the point of telling the knight that she would not insist on the trial in his case. But when the moment came, the Lady of Kindness felt her heart fail her. She shut herself in, she wept and she cried and prayed that he might be successful. Loud clamors were heard below and as she thought the spectators were bewailing the death of her last lover, she fainted away. Cries of joy and of triumph roused her again. The knight had successfully accomplished the task. Overcome, she rushes to meet him, and in her excitement she forgets that all eyes are upon her, and breathlessly cries out, My hand is yours! But he draws himself up to his full height, and haughtily and harshly he replies with a proud smile. Have I ever asked for your hand? I came only to avenge my two brothers, whom you have killed, and I have done it. For I do not, could not love you, and yet you love me. Farewell. That same evening, the wretched lady had herself conducted up to the top of the tower, from whence she wished, she said, to watch the setting sun. She was never seen alive again. Wow, I bet that was not the ending you were expecting. It sure wasn't when I first read this tale. I finished reading and instantly thought, that knight is a jerk. What a terrible way to treat the princess. But as I studied the story and came to understand the reference to Penelope and the Odyssey and the legend of Princess Cunegunda, I thought much differently about the knight, the lady, and how the story ended. We must first understand the problem of a vacant throne. This means there was no lord to rule the land and the people. The Lady of Kindness was perfectly aware of this problem, since her people begged her to marry, 
so they might have a lord to protect them. But the Lady of Kindness did not want to give up her supposed freedom and put her desires before that of her people. She then revealed her cruel heart when she demanded her lovers complete the nearly impossible test of riding around the castle wall on horseback. It is said that Princess Kunigunda liked watching men die for desiring her, and many a brave man did die. Until finally, a knight appeared who passed the test. Now the Lady of Kindness felt love for the knight, and she seemed excited to finally give her hand in marriage. But this knight was as wise as he was silent, we were told. And he told her he had not come to get married, but to complete the circuit along the castle walls and so hold back her cruelty, which had caused the death of his brothers. He could never marry a woman who was guilty of the sin of murder, and he left. Now, what about Penelope from the Odyssey? Why is she even mentioned in this story? Well, Penelope was a faithful wife. Remember, she used her embroidery skills to hold back the men that wanted to marry her in order to become king of Ithaca, but she was waiting for her husband to return. The Lady of Kindness would never use what she considered disgusting women's work, like embroidery, to keep suitors away. So instead, she came up with the idea to basically watch men die for her vanity. And vanity is when you have excessive pride or admiration of yourself. So, Penelope is important because she is the good symbol for women compared against the cruel, vain, and haughty Lady of Kindness. Well, what do you guys think? Based on the story of Penelope and the legend of Princess Kunigunda, do you think what I say is fair? If you think differently or have more to add, please write me a letter at P.O. Box 1153 Crown Point, Indiana 46308. And for extra bonus points, draw me a picture of the Castle of Hoynik. Until next time, I am Sir Bradley Hassey. Be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the junior classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to juniorclassicspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the Junior Classics. And now, some Polish folk music to finish off Tales from Poland. <laughs>